Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, well, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, aren't you thankful for the presence of God? Aren't you thankful for that this service was completely different than the last service, that it's not cookie cutter, that God wants to do something different in you than he did in the first service? Because that was a completely different service. It was completely different uh, what God wanted to do, what he is doing. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, to, to recognize that God loves you for you. It's not about what you can bring him today. It's not about how cool you dressed. Uh, although you look good. Okay, you look good. But it's not about that. It's not about what you have to offer him other than yourself. Your heart is precious to God, and sometimes that's what we forget. We forget that we, we need to bring him, you know, we got to bring him a thing of, of, of all the things that we've done for him this week. Or we look at how good we were this week. Do you know that God died on the cross before you were ever good? Before you could ever offer him anything, he died for you. Amen? That's good news. Because that's the God that we serve, that it's not about how good we are, it's about how good he is. And uh, I hope y'all are going to be more excited than this this morning. Okay. All right. Well, if you're new to church this morning, we want to welcome you. We are honored to have you this morning. Can we give them a hand this morning and uh, just welcome them into the house of God? We are honored to have you this morning. This is your first time. We want you to know that you are valuable, that you are not just a number, that God has something unique and specific for your life. And it's our desire and ambition to help you dig that out, discover it, pursue it, and live it out. And so if you're, you're new here, just hang on because we're going we're gonna to help discover your purpose and help you desire what that is that God has for your life. How many of y'all know God has something for your life? He has something unique for you as an individual. And uh, we've been in this series on vision this morning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And it's kind of been building in different aspects or perspectives on vision. And this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, so... I am going to do a little bit of a preface so that before I read it, you can kind of understand where we're at. So how many of y'all know that God had a vision for the world? And in that vision, it's found in John 3.16. How many of y'all know John 3.16? Even if you don't know Jesus, even if you're an atheist or an agnostic, everybody knows John 3.16. Like, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That was the vision. And so we know that God was, he sent Jesus into the earth, and Jesus comes to the earth. And Jesus gets baptized, and he does all the things that sinners do, even though he's not a sinner. And then this is where we pick up. And so Jesus has just been baptized. He just came out of the water. There's a holy, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that, that they heard a voice from heaven saying, you are my, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, that's what happens. And then this is where we're going to pick up. So Jesus has been baptized. He's been empowered by the Spirit. And then in verse chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 is what we're going to read. So y'all caught up? You understand where we're at? Okay. So it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that your word trumps every, every temptation that the enemy may throw at us, God. I thank you that there is always an answer for the temptation that is in front of us, God. I thank you that you allow us to have vision that drives us and moves us forward. Lord, I thank you, Lord, this morning for every heart, that they would be open, that it would be tendered, it would be teachable. Lord, I thank you this morning, God, for your, for your word being truth to us this morning. And Father, I thank you this morning, God, that as we live out the truth of your word, God, that we'd make you more famous today than you were yesterday. If you believe that, you can say amen with me. If you are taking notes, you can write this down. You can write this title down. I really encourage you to write notes. And even in the beginning of your notes, say, God, what are you going to speak to me? 
Because I believe that at the level of expectation oftentimes determines what you get from God. That if you were, how many of you all know you can go to a movie and if you're really expecting something, you can experience a different thing. If you're like, ah, I don't know, and then you kind of set yourself up. What I want to I want to help you do is to have a level of faith that God is going to speak to you, your life, your situation, your circumstance, specifically for you today. While there are many people in here and many people before you, God has a word for you. Say that with you. I say, God's got a word for me. That God has a word for you, specifically for your situation, for your circumstance, for whatever it is that you have going on in your life. God has a word for you. So write this down. This is the title. Endure it. I know, right there, you're like, really? Like, God's got a word, and the title of the sermon is Endure It? Yeah. Because how many of y'all know that, you know, I was thinking about this, this whole passage of Scripture, and you ever known somebody like they, like even today, if I was like, okay, I can give you, I'll give you $100 today, or in eight weeks, I'll give you $500. How many of you in the room would right now take that $100? Some of y'all would be like, because I ain't coming back to this church in eight weeks. <laughs> But some of y'all that love us here, you'd be like, I'm, I may wait out. But you would be amazed that if you were to look at the stats, how many people would take the $100 over the 800 Or whatever I said, five or eight. Did I say eight or five? Okay, 500 I'm already upping it on you. Right? Like, it's amazing how many times we'd be like, yeah, I'll take the 100 now. Right? Why? Because oftentimes we, we live in such a short perspective of life. We don't realize that $500 in eight weeks would get us a lot more fun, get us a lot more stuff. And you know, you know somebody like those millionaires that win the, they win the lottery, and in that they have an option to say, hey, we can pay you out 250 k now, or you can get a million dollars for the rest of your life. And most people oftentimes settle for the 250 now. You know, I want it now, it's my money. And they want their money now because they have, they have no ability to wait on something that's better for their future. Now, why, why am I talking about this? Because this is exactly what's happening with Jesus in this moment. That Jesus has been sent into the wilderness. Now, some of y'all, this really challenges your theology. Because y'all got saved in not knowing that you were going to have to handle temptation that actually may come from the Lord. Wrap that around your little theology. You know, you, you think, oh, no, only the devil does that. Really? Because my Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. Now, hold on. The devil tempted him. The Holy Spirit took him to it. Right? See, see we have this theology of like, well, that's not God if it's this. No, no. Understand that Jesus is wanting to help, or the Lord is wanting to help show Jesus what he's capable of. But sometimes you got to get in pain to understand what you can handle. Sometimes you got to be in situations that are uncomfortable to be able to recognize what you can tolerate. And so in this moment, Jesus is getting in, he's gotten in line with all the sinners. Imagine what his reputation is. I thought he was supposed to be the Messiah. Why is he in line with sinners getting baptized? Because that's part of the vision that God has for him. Some of y'all are in seasons in your life and you don't understand why you're in that because it's required to go through the vision that God has for your life. And some of y'all are trying to skip the line. Some of y'all are trying to get, skip the line of, of being baptized and trying to skip the line of being tempted and just trying to get to where you, where you want to get to all the fun stuff. Right? It, y'all okay? Okay. You see, you see here he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Does the Holy Spirit, is he for you or is he against you? Okay, he's for you. So if he's for you, then why is he leading Jesus into a wilderness? That's problem number one. Problem number two is he's being led into a wilderness, which wilderness is like loneliness. It's, 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 you know, there's not much there. It's desertous. You know, it's like there, there ain't food. There's nothing there. Right, and so he leads him into the wilderness, and then he leads him to the enemy to be tempted. But this is the power of vision. This is where you're going to begin to see this unfold. Because some of y'all are in, you're in a bad place in your mind because you don't think God's for you. You don't think God loves you. But yet Jesus could have easily taken that theology on, God, I can't believe you sent me to the wilderness. 
God, I can't believe you sent me to this job, and now this job isn't even fulfilling like I thought it would be. God, I can't believe you brought me into this marriage, and now look at this. God, I can't believe you gave me kids, and I have to deal with getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning. God, I can't believe you, you, you let me have kids, and I haven't slept all night for a year. For me, that's what it was. Poor Naya. Anyway, she's sleeping now till 7.38. Come on, somebody. Woo! The temptation and the struggle is over. Right? But, but there are certain dis, the things that you get put in that when you don't recognize vision, you fight your way trying to get out of it instead of trying to learn what it is that God has for you in it. So here we see Jesus, the first thing that happens For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Right? Have you ever been deficient in something? Have you ever been in a moment, in a season in your life where you are deficient in something and the very thing that you're deficient of, you get an opportunity to get? See, when you don't have vision, you settle for whatever is offered to you. Instead of understanding. See, when you got vision, you don't settle for, even though it is a deficiency, and even though it will settle you for a moment, you say, no, no, no. Because here's what Jesus is teaching us. Y'all know scripture is Jesus teaching us how to live life. And sometimes we read it like a book instead of a manual. We read it, we read it like, oh, no, that's what happened. Instead of understanding, no, this is how you navigate life, is how did Jesus get through temptation? Okay, Is Jesus driven by vision or not? Did Jesus come down from heaven with a plan and a vision for his life? Right? He came down not just to be like, well, I wonder if I can save these people. No, he came down with a vision to save the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He gave Jesus a vision. Here's the crazy thing. So God had a vision. He shared it with Jesus. He shared it with the Holy Spirit. And all three of them had to be on board. It wasn't like God telling Jesus, Jesus, you're going to go do this. Holy Spirit, this is what you're going to do for Jesus. They all three had to be on board. Do you know that God has a vision for your life, but you got to get on board? God is not dragging you around saying, this is what you're going to do, boy. No, God is giving you an opportunity to jump on the vision train and allow your life to actually be enjoyable. All right, so this is what he says. During the time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him. Now, how many of y'all know that if this has been, so y'all are like, I mean, why would you want to do that? Because you're hungry. Y'all realize that this is is how Satan is. He waits. He doesn't come up to to Jesus day one. He doesn't come up to Jesus day one and say, hey, man, are you hungry? Because you could turn these bread stones into bread. He doesn't wait till day 20. He doesn't wait till day 30. He waits till day 40. And then he sees Jesus and he says, hey, I know, I know how hungry and I know how thirsty you are. And this is where we put so much equity on the flesh and not the spirit. See, vision, do you understand? Vision is not all about you fulfilling your flesh. It is, it is sustained and empowered by what you feed your spirit. How can I prove to you? Well, let me show you, so I'm glad you asked. Because this is what happened. He said, hey, turn these, lo- these stones into loaves of bread. Could Jesus have done it? Thank you for that quick response. Somebody knows their Bible. Yes, he could have turned them into bread. But this is Jesus' response. Immediately, he said this. No, the scriptures say. How many of us are being governed by our feelings and our emotions or by what the spirit of God and the scriptures are are showing us? See, the vision of your life and the fulfillment of it is going to be based on how much you want to feed your flesh and how much you want out of right now or where God is calling you. Look, look, here's the deal. Look. You can be loyal to your desires or loyal to your future, but you can't be loyal to both. See, right now, this is where Jesus, Jesus is in this moment. I can be loyal to my desires right now, which I would love to eat. I mean, some of y'all are like, can this guy get over with his sermon? Because y'all are hungry. Y'all ain't eating in a couple of hours. 
and y'all are already giving into your desires. Hang on with me. Hang on. You keep amening me, I'll preach way faster. Okay? But in this moment, Jesus could have either given into his desires or given into his future. Well, in this moment, Jesus says, nope, that doesn't line up with where I'm going. I have a bigger plan. God has a bigger plan for my life. I have more to accomplish than just feeding me. And in this moment, he has to believe that, that that is priority, that it's about the vision of the future, not right now, my desires. Some of you all have sold out and selling out your vision because of what you're getting right now. Instead of what it's costing you to hang on and go through the temptation and the struggle of weight. Do you know that one of the most spiritual words you can ever hear is weight? One of the most spiritual things you can ever do is weight. Wait on the Lord. Right? Wait on the Lord. Hear what he has to say to you. Vision will allow you to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. You, you understand that you've got an, if, if you don't have vision, what you will do is you will say yes to the wrong thing. You will settle when you shouldn't settle. You will say, yeah, I can turn these stones, in, you know, of, of these stones into bread. Come on, somebody. If you know, if you ever eaten a longhorn, come on, and they bring that loaf of bread out, and you're hungry, I mean, let's be honest, if you're not hungry, when they bring that, that, that loaf of bread out, my daughter is so rude. Jay is so selfish sometimes. We'll go there, and I'll look at something to get something, and I'll look back, and a quarter of it is left. Three quarters of it's sitting on her plate. And there's these little paws that have, like, pulled it apart. She don't even wait for a knife. I mean, she just, wham. She's got this gift, like, whoop, so fast, and it's sitting on her plate. And she's like, hey, everybody. She's got a thing of butter by her. And she's just dipping it. Look, that bread's good. I'm like, dude, save some for everybody else at the table. There's 10 other people here. She's like, y'all can divvy out the quarter. And all of us are giving each other crumbs. Right, because I think, I think what we have to understand is that our flesh wants oftentimes what the enemy is giving us. Because what we're deficient in is oftentimes what we need. Or what, I should say what we want, not necessarily what we need. It's what we want. See, when temptation comes, you have to already have a vision. You don't get to go get a vision. And that's some of y'all's problems, is that when temptation has come into your lives, you didn't have vision, so you settled for what was available. Jesus, when he came into the wilderness, he already had a vision. He already had a safety net to be able to protect him from where he was going. And some of us, what happens is we don't have vision for our lives. So when things happen, we settle for what's available instead of really what's really calling us to the future. And so we settle for what is available right here, right now. So you gotta have, you got to have a vision right now before you face the temptations. You don't get to be like, okay, I'm going to muster up strength to be able to get out of this. Jesus, you don't see him going... Um, trying to fight through it. No, you see him, as soon as the temptation came, he knew what he was called to, and in that moment, he was able to respond. Dr. Gary talks about this a lot of times when we're in counseling, is that, look, was that a reaction or was it a response? Because those are two very different things. Reaction is you get what you get from me when I react. Respond is you get what you get intentionally from me. I'm glad three of you appreciate that. I mean, that was worth the whole day. Right? So, so notice that Jesus is not reacting. He says, no, the scriptures say. How is he so confident? Because he knows what his future's about. He knows where he's going. And some of y'all are in settle mode. You're in like, well, I don't know what to do because you don't have a vision for your life. My vision is, my main vision is not to be a pastor. I know, right? My main vision is to be a, a spiritual leader of my home. To love my wife the way that I'm called to love her. To love my kids the way that I'm called to love them. That if I miss that, I miss it. What if I grow a church to 1,000 people, 2,000 people, 5,000 people, but my wife doesn't love me and my kids hate me? Is that success? Is that fulfillment of the vision? 
And some of you all have lost the sight and the vision of what you're pursuing. You're pursuing your career at the expense of your wife and your, your kids. Some of you are, are chasing things that actually are, are stones being turned into bread. And you got to understand that my number one obligation is to my wife and to my kids and even to relationships around me. That those things have to understand, those are what move me through life. It's not about making sure that you're happy, your wife is happy so she can spend more. So you, have, so you work harder. That's just justification for your deficiency. And in a world where that's where it's like, that's highlighted. You just got to be this for your husband or, I mean, your wife. You got to be this for them. You got to be this. Now, how about you be a spiritual leader of your home first and then maybe be an amazing career person? But we have vision that we get from all these other things instead of saying, okay, look, and let me just say this. Women, make space for your husband to be the spiritual leader. I know where I'm going there. Anyway, okay, I'm gonna, that, that got heavy real quick. Okay. People, it says this. Jesus says, hey, people don't live by bread alone. How many of y'all know if you went to Longhorn and all you ate was the bread, you'd be all right. But there's a steak in the back waiting on you. Have you ever done that where you eat all of the bread? And then this is what you say, I don't know if I can eat the steak. I mean, don't do that with your vision. Some of y'all are eating all the bread thinking it's going to sustain you because it's there and it's available. And there's a, there's a chef waiting for you to cook your steak medium rare because that's how you should do it. Any of y'all get medium or beyond? If you say, well, you should be rebuked. In Jesus' name. I'm not even going to raise hands because I don't want to offend you because I'll just blast you. But he says this, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what is he saying to us? What he's saying is it's not about what you can bake. It's about what God says to you. It's not about what you can make. How many of y'all know you can make bread? You can do things. It's not, about, it's not about bread because bread, what you can do will eventually not be what you can do. You will finally get to a place in your life to fulfill the vision that you can't do it. He says you cannot live on bread alone. He says you cannot live on what you can do, but what I say. It needs to be what governs and, and moves me through life is the words of God. Yes, take a step to the right. Okay, I don't know why. And some of y'all are so busy telling everybody else that you're taking a step to the right. Even though you don't know why. And I'm like, I don't know. No, you just, it doesn't matter if they're trying to say, hey, why are you going right? I don't know, because God told me to. Out of the mouth of God. God's moving your life in a certain direction. And some of y'all are whining and you're looking at the bread over there. And they're happy and they're eating that bread and you're over there starving and hungry. But they don't got vision. You do. Some of y'all are looking at the world and they're eating that bread and they're moving through and they're getting fame and they're getting money and they're getting things, but there's a day where their bread runs out and eternity keeps going. And you better get vision now. It's too late when it's too late. As C.S. Lewis says, die while you die, die while you can. It's your only chance. Die to the vision that God has. Start living and living the things that God has for your life. You see, vision doesn't come from what you can produce, but what from God's, out of God's mouth. I can come up with some vision for my life, but it's bread. I can come up with some things to move me through, but it's bread. Until God speaks to me, it's, not, it's always going to fall short. Your life is always going to fall short. And I know we've been talking about vision, and quite frankly, some of y'all haven't even asked God about it. In three weeks. Like, well, wonder pastor you're going to preach this week on, on vision. Well, what does it matter? Because you haven't done anything with the last three weeks of it. Right? When have you really sat down with God and said, God, what do you have for my life? What do you have for my family? What do you have for my kids? Like right now, when I pray, I think about what Jaylee and Anaya are going to do and what they're called to do. Because why that helps me make sure that what the vision is, that I'm helping them take steps towards their vision, even if they don't know it yet. Because I know that bread is a reality in their life just like it is mine. That temptation to settle. 
There's a temptation in your life to settle. Let's be honest. Right now, there is something lurking in your life that's saying, hey, eat the bread, eat the bread, eat the bread. And you got to say, no, the scriptures say. No, 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 the scriptures say. So you have to know how short-lived bread is, or you will take it every time. I mean, come to Longhorn with us. You'll find out how short bread is, how short-lived it is. I mean, it's like, okay, well, well. You got all these people just munching on you like that was a full loaf and that is no longer. I mean, I'm like putting my finger on the thing, like getting the crumbs. Like that was short-lived. And so many of us don't understand that bread is short-lived. That whatever the enemy is giving you, it is short-lived. Yes, it may fulfill you for a moment, but it's short-lived. It's not going to last very long. Enjoy the success while you got it because like a vapor... Boom, it's gone. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's downloading stuff this morning. Right, like, like we got to understand, vision keeps you moving forward. Man cannot live on bread alone. God is trying to help you understand something. You can't live on it alone. The world can't sustain your vision. Some of y'all are running to the world, and you're like, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about this? Stop going to the wrong people about your vision. There are certain people I share my vision with, and there are certainly other people I don't. Because they don't understand it. They don't understand how big the God I believe and serve is. So I need to talk to somebody who has faith like God to help me confirm and help me step towards the vision that I have. Y'all get a need, you need to get some friends that have faith. Not well like, well, I don't know, Bobby. That seems like a pretty big task. Get some people in your corner that have some faith. I don't know why I said Bobby either. <laughs> Sounded good to me. Any Bobbies in here, you got faith, right? All right, moving on. So then he goes on, and so he, he does this. And then in verse 5, he says this. The devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, okay, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Do you all realize that Satan is quoting scripture to him? Like, dude, you're fine. Do you not know what the word of God says? But he's manipulating it. He's twisting the scripture. And Jesus says, the scriptures also say, bro, you need to put it in context. (laughs) He's savage. Here's Here's the thing that I want you to see. In the first two verses, I mean, in the first two points where he's coming at him, do you know what he first, the first thing he does is he questions Jesus' identity. He says, if you are the son of God in, in the first story, and then the next temptation, he says, if you are the son of God, if you are. See, some of you aren't stepping into the vision you have because you question your identity. Because you're not, so as long, anytime that, that you're, you're questioned about the identity, the things that God's calling you to, you go back on it because you don't have the confidence and the identity, and you're not settled in who Jesus says you are and the vision that he gave you. Wow. So the this, this second point is this, is that vision is about believing in your identity. Some of y'all, you, you, you're hyper-focused on vision, but you need to be hyper-focused on identity because identity is directly connected to vision. You will not believe big things if you don't think that you're worthy of them. Some of y'all have settled for a vision that somebody else has had about your life. And you were sitting in a church service and somebody prophesied over you and it was like this. And you don't even realize that that prophetic word is less than what God's calling you to. Because you failed to get into relationship with him to be able to discover the identity that he has for you. So you can't spend... You're in t- Notice that Jesus doesn't say, well, gee, devil, let me just tell you who I am. Buddy, do you not know where I came from? Do you understand this beard? Do you understand the anointing that is on my life? Do you understand that I've been, I've been quiet for 30 years and I've been baptized by John the Baptist, the man who's preparing the way? I mean, he doesn't go through any of that. 
He doesn't say anything about his identity. He lets him prove out his vision. That's what shows you who he is. He he doesn't try to prove to the devil. Some of y'all are trying to prove your lives. And honestly, that's why you're missing your vision. Because you're too busy trying to prove to everybody else that you're going to be successful. That you're going to be this or that. You just watch what I do. Who gives a flip? If you're not doing what God's called you to do. Some of y'all are trying to prove when you get to work on money, like, I can't wait. I'm going to show them, boy, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to tell them I, I, I'm, I'm a man. I, you know what I'm saying? It's like we try to prove ourselves instead of just say, hey, like, I don't got to prove myself because I know who I am, and I'm really confident in the vision that God's given me. And you, you can't spend your life trying to prove your vision. Why? He, he, Jesus said No. He was really short with him. Well, the scriptures say, and he moved on. See, I think we got to be really careful with spending too much time trying to prove. You just have to pursue it regardless of whether other people believe it or not. How about you let your action steps prove who you are? Some of y'all get on Facebook, like, I'm going to tell you, look what I'm doing now. It's like, who cares? Like, just go do it. Go do what God's called you to do with your vision that he has put in your heart. You know, temptation is a reality. And I think we don't understand that. Temptation is a reality. You cannot get out of it. You may have conquered one thing. Guess what's waiting for you tomorrow? Temptation. Temptation is a reality. And that reality, it confronts our confidence oftentimes. It affects Notice that Jesus' confidence is not waning. His temptation's coming, and he confronts it with who he knows he is. He says, I don't really care what you think about me, devil. I don't care what what you can give me. I don't care about anything. He lets who he is bring confidence to what he's called to. He knows, I'm coming out of this wilderness eventually, and when I get out, devil, just know I'm about to hang on a cross. I'm about to be put in a tomb. I'm about to crush your head. And you got to understand that your vision ultimately is doing the same thing that Jesus did as he will crush the serpent's head. That your vision is really about destroying the enemy's works. And when you think about that, man, you understand, wow, I need to take this a tad bit more serious. So you give in where you feel you're not capable or worthy. This is what happened. Jesus was so confident in who he was, so he never gave in. But many of us, we fall prey to the temptation of our unworthiness. Because we know our past, like we talked about last week. We know our failures. We know our shortcomings. We know our insecurities. We know those things. And so we oftentimes fall prey to the areas that we feel unworthy instead of allowing the identity of who we are to be what drives and moves us. So in order to, while we're talking about vision... Let's also have another conversation. At some point, you need to have a conversation with God about your identity. Because your vision is only as good as your identity. Because you've got to believe what God is saying about you. God sent Jesus. He didn't get there and be like, okay, wow. This is a little different than I thought it was. Uh, God? No, he came confidently knowing, okay, this is what I'm called to do. And nothing was able to sway him. Because temptations are going to come. You've got to know that. You know, there will always be easier options to get where you want to be. Right? How many of y'all know there are different routes to Centerton? There are different options you can go. You can take the interstate. You can take four, you know, all the different interstates and roads. There's a lot of different options. And what we've done in life is we've gotten so used to easy that easy's become what we like. But if we notice and we pattern our lives off of Jesus, Jesus isn't trying to get out of easy. He's not trying to get out of temptation and into easy. He's not trying to get away from it. Because easy is this temptation that lures us away and gets us to settle for what was never intended to be in our lives. See, easy often traps us and actually keeps us from true fulfillment. See, we, we think easy is going to give us the same result as all the other things. 
But easy, how many of y'all know if you look at, if you look at the GPS, there will be times where it says the fastest route is this, then there's a harder route. The harder route is oftentimes less mileage, but the other one is like you can go faster, it's easier, so you'll spend more gas and more, more miles on your vehicle, but you're like, I don't care, it's easier. And this is the thing, is you're not a car. And so many times we settle for more miles on our lives, more struggles and strain on us because it's easy. Instead of realizing, no, I've got a place to be. I've got things I've got to do. I need to make sure I steward me. See, Satan loves. He loves when you get desperate. When the vision just isn't quite coming as fast as you like, that's what he loves. He loves when you're like on the verge of letting go on the verge of quit, on, on easy street, and you're loving it. It's like, and you, when you get desperate, why did he wait for Jesus 40 days, 40 nights? Because he knew he, that was his most desperate moment. He was, not any, he was more hungry that day than he had ever been. Why? Because it was not 39th day, it was the 40th day. For many of us, he would come our first day. <laughs> But for Jesus, he comes the 40th day because that's when he's in his most depleted moment in his life. But you got to know who you are to fight that fight. Verse 8. Okay, verse 7. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Can I tell you that Jesus in this moment is being tempted to worship the enemy? And many of us are tempted with worship, to give our worship to something other than God. And when you understand how big of a deal this is, you understand okay, who gets my worship? Who gets your worship? My wife doesn't get my worship. My kids don't get my worship. They get my praise. Oh, they get my praise. But there is one person that gets my worship, and his name is King Jesus. His name is King Jesus. Why? Because priority number one is Jesus. I will praise you. I will give you, I will give you encouragement. I will whatever, but I will never worship you. And here is his third and final point. So he asks him, hey, worship me. See, vision is a reality at the level you prioritize it. What, what do I mean by that? What I'm saying is this, is that vision is only as good as where it's rated in your life. If, if, vision, if vision, if my number one priority is to build a big church and to have a lot of people and to do that, then guess what happens? That's what I prioritize. If my vision is to have a certain amount of people or to have certain amount of meetings a week or to do certain things, to have certain amount of outreaches and to do certain things, then that becomes what I prioritize. And what I prioritize is what I begin to pursue. See, my vision has to become the number one thing. What it is that God has called me to, when I recognize what it is that God has for me, I make that my number one priority. So while I may preach and I may build sermons and I may do do leadership and I may have meetings, that is not my number one priority. It is to make sure that my wife feels loved, that my kids feel loved, that relationships around me are supported. And then outside of that, my next thing is, okay, what I'm called to do as far as a minister. And if I get that out of whack, then guess what? I can still be moving forward and thinking I'm successful, but if my wife starts questioning whether I love her, then i got a problem. See, we got to make sure it's not just about vision. It's making sure the right thing's in the right place. Because that's where vision matters. Vision has to be the number one thing that drives, and that's that vision that God gave me. And out of that, I make sure that that's the priority that I pursue. And outside of that, everything is directly connected to it. See, vision comes to you, but it also has to move towards you. You have to move. Like, vision will come. Some of y'all are praying right now, vision, God, let me have vision. 
vision will come into your life. But guess what happens? You also have to move towards vision. In other words, it's two, it's two things. How many of you know that God gave Jesus vision and he got vision, but he also had to move towards the cross? And some of y'all are like, well, God brought me onto the earth. No, there's more than that. It's not just you coming, it's you going. Vision is two-way street. It's coming and it's moving towards. And some of y'all are like, well, I'll just wait here over here and see what the Lord wants to do. It's like, What? And it's like God's given you a vision. It's like, what? Like, you don't even know what to say. Like, vision will come, but you got to be willing to, to move towards what it is. God said, take a right. Okay, I'll take a right. And everybody's like, why are you taking a right? I don't know. God told me to take a right. Because that's where he, I feel like he's calling me. Why does Jesus need to go get baptized? Because God told him to. Because, oh, can you hear Holy Spirit? Okay. All right. Because he needed affirmation about who he was before he was going to face the wilderness. See, he went and got baptized, and there was something that was said. You are my beloved son. And he needed the affirmation in that baptism to get through that wilderness. Because what was the number one thing that he did when he came in? If you're the son of God, well, I just so happened to have heard God and he said, I'm his beloved son and whom he is well pleased. So hashtag, you're a loser. But you see, if he would have skipped that process when he got to the wilderness, what would have happened? He wouldn't have had the affirmation of his father Echoing in his spirit, you're my beloved son. Do what you got to do. Tell that sucker, stones and bread ain't going to fix anything. See, he was so affirmed. And he prioritized that moment to get him through all the rest of the things that he was going to face. Some of y'all need a word from the Lord. That will help you in the middle of your temptation to say, you know what? This is what God said about me. This is who God says I am. This is what God's called me to. Get vision. But you've got to start moving to vision. See, you've got to be willing to put off some things. There's something that Jesus had that many people don't have. Especially in America, especially in our culture, when you can drive up, if all of a sudden you get a whim and you want a coffee, you can pull up to a coffee shop. If you get hungry, you can pull up to whatever suits your little fancy for food. You don't have to say, you know what, it's not about bread right now. What we really need to help fulfill the vision that God's called for us is something called delayed gratification. We want our vision and we want it now. Instead of realizing and recognizing that vision is a process and it comes in seasons, it comes in moments of sitting still, doing nothing, and then it maybe be a leap of something, and then it's another moment of being tempted, and then another moment of success and amazing things, and then another moment of temptation. But you've got to be willing to delay gratification you got to be willing to say, you know what, as bad as I want to, to save the world, I know i got some things I've got to do to teach these disciples. That's something I missed last time in the first service. Is this, who is the recipient of his, of his willingness to fight through the wilderness? There was 12 men called disciples. They became the recipients of him holding fast to his vision. And many of you need to understand that this vision, and I've shared this before, this vision thing is not just about you. It's about the other, that's the recipients on the other side. On the other side of you fulfilling one season of your vision, there are other people waiting to receive the benefits of the thing that you have. We have made vision so much about us, me and my little world. Instead of understanding Jesus was holding on 
not realizing that when he walked out of one season, that there was another season he was going to be able to, and here's, here's the crazy thing, y'all get this. These were men who were failing as fishermen, losing sight of vision. I want to be a fisherman. Well, guess what happens when you don't catch fish? You don't become a fisherman anymore. And in the moment of them not having vision, questioning whether they are really called to be fishermen, here comes a man into the scene to say, hey, I got vision for you. You've been fishermen, but now you're going to be fisher of men. Some of y'all are so mad that you're depleted and you've failed. And God is using that to introduce you to his vision for your life. You can stand as I close. That you can leave this place with a fresh desire maybe even to start pursuing the vision. Maybe you don't have it and that's okay. There should be no condemnation this morning that you don't have vision, but there should be conviction that you need to get it. That's huge. That's different. Those are two different things. Condemnation that you don't have it and conviction that you need it. Those are very different. And I pray that the Lord puts a heavy conviction on your heart to hear what he has to say about your life. Maybe you've been running your life And it's time that you put your life back in the hands of Jesus. Just like the disciples. In that moment, they've been running their life. But now, they have to trust what Jesus is telling them. And the Bible says that they left their nets after the great catch that they had. It would have been really easy to be like, ah, Jesus, thanks, man. Thanks for telling us where the fish are. We're good for about six months. See, this is the power of vision. If vision supersedes all the the rewards that they got in that moment. Because vision has to matter more than a temporary fix. It has to matter more than what you can get in one moment. Vision is long term. He says, now I'm going to make you fisher of men. And Peter rejects and denies him, loses sight of the vision, dies upside down, martyred for the kingdom. He got it again. Look, we're going to lose vision, we're going to lose sight of it, but we can regain it if we're intentional, if we're willing to pursue it. This morning, I want to, I just want to pray, and I feel a burden and a heavy, I feel a heaviness that people have gotten discouraged, have gotten tempted, and they feel like the devil has talked them out of something. And I want you to know this morning that God's grace and mercies are new every morning. That the grace of God is waiting. It doesn't matter if you've lost sight and you got selfish and you got sucked into something. That in this moment, God can revitalize, and he can pull you and say, don't be tempted over there. Don't go that way. Don't do it. And I feel like some of you are in this season where you're like, you're teetering back and forth with, with what the world is trying to give you and what God is saying to you. Bread will not fix you. I mean, what do they call money in the, in, in the secular world? Bread. Money will not fix everything you think it will. I know lots of, I've known lots of people that had money and they didn't have vision and they were miserable. You get money and you get vision, you're dangerous. That's a fact. So if that's you this morning, you say, that's me. I know that there's a temptation out there. I know I've settled for less than. And Father, I want you to awaken my heart to the vision that you have for me. I don't care if you're 85 or if you're 5. God can give you vision. If that's you, I want to ask if you just slip your hand up. Just so I can know. By faith, you're saying, that's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you for being honest in this room this morning. That's me. That's me. Because see, just doing sometimes isn't vision, right? Just that, that proves how many people raise their hand. Y'all are doing stuff. Yeah. Every one of us are doing stuff, but doing stuff is not vision. Doing stuff is consuming energy to fulfill vision. And right now you're asking God, okay, God, prioritize what it is in my life that needs to be prioritized. All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every hand that's stretched to heaven right now. And Father, I thank you, God, right now for the strength to say yes to the things that they need to say yes to and the strength to say no to the things they need to say no to. 
Father, I thank you right now, God, that you would download a new revelation of their identity and who they are. Father, just as you called Jesus my beloved, Lord, I thank you that they would recognize that you are their beloved, God, that they are your beloved, God, that you love them, that you are for them. And Father, I thank you that out of that revelation of identity, God, would come a new level and a new faith of identity and vision for their lives. God, I thank you today, God, while the enemy is active in our lives, that his temptations are real. And Lord, I thank you that they are legitimate temptations. I thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit comes and strengthens every one of them. Father, they will not settle in any way. Father, I pray for married couples right now. That, God, that you would help them come back together in a vision for their marriage, for their kids. I thank you, God, for, for business owners, God, to have fresh vision for their businesses, for their, their employees. God, I thank you for giving vision for, for those of, in whatever season they're in, God. I thank you, Jesus, right now, God, that you show us the power of what it looks like when we don't live on bread alone, by, Father, but by every word. Lord, let your word be what sustains us. God, let it be your word that fulfills us in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we praise you. We give you glory. And right now, I thank you, God, right now for fresh vision this week, this month, this year, God. Lord, right now, we don't need vision in 2024. God, we want vision right now. Right now, August 20th, 2023, God, give us fresh vision for our lives, for our situations, for our circumstances. God, let us right now, Father, not waver and and settle for anything less than what it is you have for us in Jesus name in Jesus name look you're responsible for what you know and you know that you're called to have a vision and you showed up today not by accident but intentionally by God to help ignite a passion in you for having to have a vision Some of y'all haven't had a talk in a marriage about your vision, about what you guys want to do as a couple. If you're single, I don't care. Get a vision for your life so you don't settle for someone that's less than. Father, I thank you, God, for being so intentional in speaking to your sons and daughters this morning. Can I just encourage you to lean in? Lean into the voice this week. Don't expect to get loud and get into the world and get crazy and not, and expect to get vision. No, take time to get with God to hear what he has to say. Amen. This morning, I don't know if you've given your life to Jesus. I don't know where you stand with eternity. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make the greatest decision you will ever make and to have vision for your life, which is accepting Jesus. Recognizing you're a sinner, that you need to repent, that it is Jesus that died for you, that he wants a relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, I want to ask if you just slip your hand up real quick. You say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I am, I am in desperate need of a Savior. Real quick, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity. It's the most important part of the sermon. All right, we love you. Just encourage you, invite somebody next week. Invite somebody to come and be a part of what you're a part of. We love you guys.